0: Welcome to a Kessler Foundation expert interview series podcast. This interview was recorded, produced, and edited by Joan Banks Smith, creative producer for Kessler Foundation on August 29, 2017.
1: Let's listen in.
0: Today at Kessler Foundation, we are talking with Dr. Ellie Vakil and Dr. Helen Genova about their collaboration on research in brain injury and multiple sclerosis. Dr. Vakil is professor in the Department of Psychology at the Ganda Multidisciplinary Brain Research Center at Bar Ilan University in Ramat Gan, Israel. In February 2017, Dr. Vakil gave a presentation in our Neuropsychology and Neuroscience Lecture Series entitled Long-Term Outcomes of Traumatic Brain Injury, Three-Factor Cognitive Reserve Structure. He returned to Kessler Foundation as a visiting professor in the summer of 2017, where he collaborated with Dr. Genova, Senior Research Scientist in Neuropsychology and Neuroscience Research. In this podcast, we will learn about what they learned during their time together. Dr. Genova, tell us about the project you've been working on with Dr. Vakil.
2: As you know, at the Kessler Foundation, one thing that we study is cognitive deficits in individuals with multiple sclerosis and traumatic brain injury. Um, typically, we study things like memory and processing speed. One area of cognition that we've been getting into recently is social cognition. That refers to a set of skills and abilities needed to understand how other people are feeling. So for example, typically you understand how someone is feeling by their facial expression. So if you were to walk into your home one day and see your spouse or your child crying, you would understand based on their facial expression how they were feeling. We do know that people with MS and TBI have difficulty in this area, at least some people do but we don't know why some people experience these deficits in understanding how other people are feeling based on looking at their facial expression. This inspired us uh, to work with Dr. Vakil, who is an expert in eye tracking. So maybe he can tell us a little bit about what he does. Uh, As
1: Ellen said, the social cognition is composed of several skills. And our goal, if we want eventually to intervene and to help these patients, we have to break it down and to pinpoint which exact social skill is impaired which which aspect of social skill is impaired one tool which is very useful in doing that is the eye tracker the advantage of using an eye tracker that it, ta- it really records an implicit kind of activity of a person a person is un- we are not usually aware of where exactly our eyes are moving or fo- focusing and so without really asking explicitly a patient about, did he pay attention to this or that, by looking at the eye pattern, eye movement patterns, we can tell where actually, in fact, the person we're focusing on. So, and that's much more accurate than what subjectively a person would report. So the advantage of using an eye tracking is that we're really looking at the underlying cognitive processes uh, and not just looking at the output behavior. Okay, so that, that's one of the major advantage, advantages of using eye tracking.
2: What is
0: your uh, plan for this line of research, Dr. Genova?
2: So one thing that we're going to be doing is we're going to be taking tests that are typically given to individuals with MS or TBI to assess if they have social cognition problems. And we're going to be adapting them so that they can be used in the eye tracker. So typically, if you wanted to see if someone had a problem with social cognition, you would show them a picture of a face. And then you would ask them to identify what emotion the face was expressing. One thing we can do with the eye tracker is we can take it this a step further, and we look to see exactly where the eyes are looking on the face. So a typical person may begin by looking at another person's eyes, then go down to their mouth and understand how the face is expressing an emotion that way. We don't know if people with MS or TBI are doing the exact same thing. Maybe they're looking at parts of the face that are not relevant to facial expression.
1: Yeah, exactly. And that eventually could, could maybe help us into dividing these Patient population to subgroups. Maybe they, all of them have social deficit in social cognition, but maybe for different reasons. So one person may be not paying attention at all to the person, to the face, other is not really scanning appropriately the, the, the face. So they might be subgroups, and by using the eye tracker we'll be able to divide them to subgroups. So in other words, uh, the eye tracker could be a very important diagnostical tool as well. And maybe eventually, even as a, a tool for intervention, where we don't know that yet, but but definitely uh, could help us in in diagnosing and subdividing these patients into subgroups, which is critical in terms of uh, inter, intervention and uh, rehabilitation.
0: Well, Dr. Vakil, you did raise an interesting point there uh, about potential interventions. Would you be either of you be willing to um, speculate on? Uh, what the clinical applications may be for this research.
2: One application is we have an intervention that we are testing now in emotional processing and social cognition in individuals with MS and TBI where we're training them to look at certain areas of the face to understand what emotion expressions are being portrayed. One thing we can do is use the eye tracker to very carefully see if their eyes are actually paying more attention to those facial expressions. So it's something that we can better capture outcome by using the eye tracker and not just have to rely on a paper and pencil test, for example, or a computer test. It's basically taking um, the outcome measurement to another level and being very specific and seeing where the improvements are being made.
1: Furthermore, it could be tailor-made. It could be tailored in terms of what is the specific deficit of this particular person and plan the intervention exactly to address this person's specific deficits. So we are not necessarily going to use the same protocol for everyone because as we know people are are different and maybe again the the end point is a deficit in, in social cognition But the deficits might emerge from different sources. So by analyzing each person's profile, we will be able to intervene uh, in a very specific way to address this person's specific deficits.
0: Well, it sounds like the uh, collaboration between uh, Bar-Elan University and Kessler Foundation promises to uh, benefit many uh, target populations with uh, social cognition deficits. Uh, Dr. Vakil, uh, would you like to share um, your thoughts about your experiences uh, during your summer at Kessler Foundation?
1: Well, I I, I was very impressed by the team of researchers that are at the Kessler Foundation. What I found really, really uh, very important that the research here is geared eventually to to translate theoretical knowledge into practical use, into rehabilitation, into interventions. And I think this link, this bridge between our knowledge, our theoretical knowledge about the brain, about cognitive processes, and not just stay there and just report it as an interesting finding uh, and better understanding how our brain functions, which is great. But I think what people here at Kessler Foundation are doing is going a step further and translating and implementing this knowledge for the benefit of this patient population. And that's something that I really admire. And I'm taking it from here and I'm try, I'll try to apply it back home in Israel.
0: Well, thank you very much, uh, Dr. Genova
2: and Dr. Vaquil. Thank, thank you. you.
0: To learn more about our scientists and the research of Kessler Foundation, go to www.kesslerfoundation.org. That's wwwk esslerfoundatio dot